listening to the Save the Marriage podcast. Your marriage can be saved and strengthened if you have the right information. Join Dr. Lee Bauckham as he explores ways for you to improve your relationship and your life, starting right now. Hey, this is Lee Balkum, and this is the Save the Marriage podcast. This is the podcast that's designed to help you save your marriage, whether you're at the beginning point or whether you are at the point where you are struggling and trying to figure out whether you're facing the ending or how you can move forward to something else. Today, I'm going to be talking about some differences of, of what happens between a hurting marriage and a happy marriage. And it's not as big a distinction as you might think, especially if you're in the midst of a hurting marriage. A hurting marriage can make it feel like it's so far to get to a better place, to a healthy relationship, and that's not the case. So I want to tell you some distinctions and some places where they are not so distinct between a happy marriage and a hurting marriage so that you can move from the hurt to the happy. It is certainly possible. I've seen it many times. And part of the reason for this podcast is because of that. Some people ask me, why is it that I've been so focused on saving marriages? Well, there are a couple of reasons. One is that I have a belief that a stable relationship, a stable marriage stabilizes our community and stabilizes the family and stabilizes the life of children. Part of it also comes from my own history of watching what happened when there were divorces. Now, in my own life, I've been very fortunate to be in a happy marriage, and my parents uh, built a happy marriage. And when I look at my grandparents, they both had happy marriages. But then I look a little bit further to the side. In each family, I have some cousins that I don't know where they are. I could not find them if I wanted to. And part of the reason I can't is because their families didn't make it. Their families fell apart. They fell into divorce, not only divorce, but what often happens in divorce, a destructive divorce. Because of that, I've lost track of where those cousins are. They decided to exit the family. That pain, seeing what happened out of that, inspired me to think there's got to be a way that we can rebuild families. Now, I'm not saying that that an intact family is the only way to have a happy uh, life, I am saying, though, that there are pains and hurts that come out of a struggling marriage. There are pains and hurts that are passed on to the next generation, and in many cases, passed on to multi-generations. We often see a repeated pattern in families where a failed marriage is part of the pattern that is seen by the next generation that follows into the next generation. And so part of what my goal has been is not to just have people end up in a marriage where they're just tolerating each other, but to find their way to a happy marriage. My program is save the marriage, not stop the divorce, not stop the legal action. It's finding your way to saving a relationship and making it something you both would want, which has led me to often ask the question, Where is the inflection point? What happens? Because people don't get married saying, hey, you know what? I think I want to have a crappy marriage. I think I want to be in an unhappy marriage. I think I want to make my spouse unhappy and be unhappy too. That's not the beginning point of any relationship or at least any that I have seen. So what happens? Where do the turns happen? What are the inflection points where it goes from one to the other? 
I've talked about this several times, but I've noticed when people came into my office before they got married, because they had to be there in premarital sessions to get married somewhere, I often had a conversation where I realized that they felt like they had already beat the statistics. They were already convinced that they knew the way around the statistics, and yet I happen to know that that's not the case. Why did they think they had the statistics beat? Because they had the real kind of love, and they believed that others that didn't stay married just lacked the love that was necessary. So let's go ahead and jump into some differences or some places where there's not much of a difference. There are four places that I think we can point to that are not different between a happy and healthy marriage and a hurting, damaged relationship. The first one is the amount of love going into the relationship. I've seen equally in love couples go into a relationship and exit divorced or exit happy or continue happy to know that it's not about the, the amount of love that they feel between each other. Not only that, let's just break it down a little bit further. It's not even about the amount of sex. That is something that sometimes doesn't even change after the relationship is hurting. Sometimes people say, our sex is great. I don't know what's wrong with the rest of the relationship. And they're using that as something of a judge about the love that's there. So the love going into a relationship is not a piece that determines whether a relationship is going to make it or not. The love going in, as far as I can tell, is where people start. When people decide to get married... They're basically saying, I want to show you my love. That's the starting point. Two people saying, I want to show you my love. Let's get married and stay in love. Let's continue this love together and build a life of love. And then something happens, but it's not at the beginning. It's not that there was a faulty amount of love. There's not that there was too little love. It's not even that there was the wrong love there. It's something that happens in the course of the relationship that can wear away the feeling of love, that can wear away the sense that you are in love, which we'll talk about that as we talk about what does make a difference. So the second thing that is not different between healthy and hurting relationships is whether they share love languages, whether they share interest, whether they share a common uh, belief or understanding of the world other than values. There is a place where couples that get together need to share some very core values. And what do I mean by that? Just to distinguish it from the other piece. For instance, there was a couple that came into my office and they had a value issue that I said cannot be fixed by therapy or anything else because the value was this. The man wanted to have multiple wives. He wanted to be a a polygamist. The wife believed in monogamy, one spouse. That's a different in values. Not only that, but it's a core value. One would have to give up or, or violate their own sense of that value in order to stay together. That's not what we're talking about. Those do need to be in common, but I'll give you a little secret. Most people who get married already share those core values. Now, maybe it expresses itself a little bit differently. Maybe if you look at how they lean politically or how they lean in religious beliefs, maybe it can look like there are some differences, but their basic core value of what they find to be important, what they hold as important in life, tend to be very similar. The differences I'm talking about are the ones that we often hear about, where people say, you know, we just don't have any common interests. 
Well, that's often the case. Or they say, well, we speak different love languages, so we can't get along. Well, that's often the case. Or they say, we have different personalities. Well, that's often the case. The fact is that you are two individuals with different tastes, different interests, different levels of what you like to do. All of that is what goes into it. The process of bringing your lives together, bringing your best self to that. So those aren't different in failed relationships or in intact relationships and happy relationships or hurting relationships. They don't seem to vary. There are couples that have some common interests. There are couples that actually do speak the same love language. And then there are lots of happy couples that don't share a lot of common interest and don't even have a similar uh, love language. And yet they're able to cross over because of something else, which we'll talk about when we get to what does make it work. Just don't buy into the belief that there is this thing called compatibility. You know, there are lots of tests about compatibility that you'll find on the internet, particularly on dating websites. And the compatibilities are looking for common shared interest. Oh, we both like to read, or oh, we both like to run, or oh, we both like cold weather or hot weather, or we like to be at the beach or mountains or whatever difference you might find, or we have a a common love language. And I do think it's very important to know the love language. I just don't think it necessarily has to be your native love language that matches with your spouse's. So all those pieces, they end up being kind of background noise, unless You're in a hurting relationship, and then you start holding them up as the problems. And that's what happens in each of these distinctions I'm talking about. For instance, as we go back to the first one, the amount of love, they suddenly go, wow, you know, I don't think we loved each other in the beginning at all. I had the wrong kind of love for you. I got in this for the wrong reasons. They recreate history. And the second is we have nothing in common. So how could we possibly get along? They recreate their life together in a way that is negative on those pieces. Instead of looking for how they might be complementary with each other, they look at how they are not compatible with each other. And yet, many, many happy couples don't share hobbies, don't share a love language, don't share interest, and still share a life together of happiness. We'll talk about why in just a minute. Number three is one that surprises lots of people, and that is the presence of conflict. I've had people come to my office and say, you know, the real issue is that we have just a lot of conflict. So obviously, we're not meant to be together. We keep having discussions and arguments. And my response is, if you don't have conflict, you obviously are not discussing issues that are real for you. But you're using conflict from the wrong perspective. People in hurting marriages use conflict as a separation point, as a way of pushing each other apart. Conflict is used to point out the differences. In happy marriages, conflicts are there, but they are used to move to a better place for both people. They are used to progress the relationship to something else. You discover something about yourself in the midst of conflict, not some difference of your spouse. You discover another place to connect and understand each other in the midst of conflict when you face it together. So conflict ends up being a vehicle for development of the relationship and for the individuals in happy marriages. 
conflict, the same things. It can, it can be about the exact same issues is used for pointing out the differences and the dissimilarities in a hurting relationship. And when you do that, what you end up doing is increasing the distance between you rather than bridging the distance between you. In a healthy, healthy relationship, a happy, healthy relationship, you're bridging the distance at all times. In a hurting relationship, you're increasing the distance at all times. Which brings us to what are the differences between those hurting and those happy relationships. And I want to tell you from the outset that as you listen to these, don't listen to them as life sentences. Every one of these can be shifted if you're in a hurting relationship. You can shift to a happy, healthier place. If you're already in a happy, healthy place, this gives you four different targets to move more in a strong way, more increasing uh, strength in these areas to be able to say, okay, those are our target points. So in either case, these are the target points to move you to even a better place, to a healthy, happy place if you're in a hurting relationship or a healthier, happier place if your relationship is already doing pretty well. So what is the first one? It's the core, commitment. Now, it's not a commitment to being stuck in a relationship, but it's a commitment to the relationship. So we roll it back a little bit to that wedding ceremony. And the problem with the wedding ceremony is we're saying our vows when we're on the top of the world at the same point when we think we've already got this beat. So we're just saying the words doesn't matter what those words are. We're just saying them anyway because we've already got this. And so we don't necessarily listen intently to what we're promising. So the promises I made and my spouse made were how we would uh, love and honor each other. That was one thing. We committed to that. It was not that I, I said, well, I will always feel love, but I commit to being loving But then we talked about the days that we would work through, the happy days, right? The good days, the bad days, the healthy days, the sick days, the days where we have lots and the days when we don't have so much, the rich days and poor days. And if you start thinking about it, we've pretty much covered the days, the days when we're getting along and not getting along. And that really is the commitment to working through those days. When you've committed to those days, to being together through whatever comes your way, it changes your perspective on how you think about things and how you think about working through things, how you think about the relationship. It's been quite a few years back, and I will admit it was probably my fault, but my wife and I were in an argument, and an argument over something that probably did not significantly matter. I remember that in the middle of the argument, we had had several exchanges, and my wife went downstairs. I sat there as she left, thinking about my thoughts about it, my response to that, thinking about how I could help her see that she was wrong and I was right, and With that, with knowing that rebuttal in my head, I walked downstairs, and as I was walking up to present my uh, rebuttal, probably with my finger in the air to make sure she understood I was about to set things straight and about to say, and another thing, she looked at me and she said, wait, before you say anything, is what you're about to say going to help us move forward being that we're going to be together the rest of our lives? 
it stopped me in my tracks. And I realized that my rebuttal was not going to help us move forward in any significant way. It was for me to be right. And being right is far different than being happy, being connected, and working through things. Many times we are so caught up in being right of winning that we don't recognize that that comes from a place of me, not of we. And part of commitment is to be committed to the we of the relationship. We stand in this together. We work through this together. Committed relationships understand that we are a team. We're a unit. We're indivisible, even though we bring in our best traits. It's kind of like a sports team. Maybe you have two players on a team. It's not that they're acting just as a unit moving in unison. They're bringing in the best gifts that they have to play the best game that they have to make the best chances of winning that they can. But they have to bring their best self to the commitment of winning, not to beating the other player, not to beating their other player, their teammate, but of beating the other team, of winning. So that's about working through. That's the commitment to work through things, even when they are difficult. Which brings us to the second distinction between happy and hurting marriages, and that is connection. It's really the focus that matters. When we start a relationship, there's lots of connection. That's how relationships grow. I feel connection, and I offer connection. And my offering connection, you feel the connection, and you offer more connection, and we go back and forth on connection. But at some point in a marriage, many times couples hit the pause button, and they stop connecting. So why do they hit the pause button? Well, as I've talked about many times, the pause button marriage happens for what seems like legitimate and benign reasons. For instance, we have kids. We need to focus on the kids for right now. We need to focus all of our attention on being parents. We'll get back to being a couple down the road. You know, when they grow up, when they go to school, we'll just pause things right where they are. We'll put a freeze on the relationship. Or maybe it's about the career. I've got this career path in front of me, and once I make it to this position, or we make it to this level of income, or we have this many resources, then we can unpause it and enjoy that stuff. We, we'll just pause it while we're getting to that place. Or maybe it's for a hobby. You know, Maybe you decide that it's going to be the Tour de France or some other thing that you're going for. And so because of that, you need to put all your focus there, and you hit the pause button. Or maybe it's friends. We're young. We have lots to do. We have friends to do things with, places to see, people to do things with, activities around us. Pause. We'll come back to it. What happens for couples is that as you hit those goals and you keep thinking you're going to unpause, one of two things happen. Either you find something else, another reason to pause, or you suddenly realize that there is no pause you suddenly realize that your spouse has drifted away and you've drifted away from your spouse. There is no pause in relationships. There's only two possibilities of what will happen in a relationship. It will either grow or recede. It will either increase or decrease. There is no stable point in a relationship. You may not notice it, but there is no stable point. You're either working towards or away from the connection. So what happens is eventually you think you're going to just unpause it, but you don't even know your spouse anymore and your spouse doesn't know you because you haven't kept each other up to date on how you're changing and growing. 
Connection is about checking in. Connection is about staying together as a unit. Connection happens on the different levels I've talked about, a physical, emotional, and spiritual connection. But when there's a pause to it, none of that is happening or very little of it is happening. And because of that, it begins to choke off the relationship. Connection is the lifeblood of any relationship, any relationship, but particularly in marriage. And so when the connection is paused, the division begins to grow. The relationship recedes. So couples that are happy stay focused and make sure that they have connected with each other. They may not have recognized it, but that's what they're doing, listening to each other's day, sharing each other's aspirations, staying physically connected with each other. The more that happens, the more the connection grows. The more the connection grows, the more that happens, and around and around it goes. So the focus on connection is often missing for hurting relationships, not for any ill-thought reason. It's not that you set out to disconnect the relationship as much as the disconnection happened many times because you hit the pause button and you didn't realize there was no pause. Happy marriages, healthy marriages work from commitment that's based in connection, which brings us to the third distinction, care. Happy marriages involve couples who care for each other, who support each other. A lot of research shows that one of the biggest determinants on whether people are happy in their marriage is whether their spouse supports their self-expansion. That's a term. It's not about self-growth, but it's wider than that, self-expansion. Do they have room to grow into different areas of their life? Maybe they grow into new hobbies or new interests. Maybe they take on some growing in their own life or take on some new spiritual path, but their spouse supports them in it. They care about the happiness of each other. They care about the development of each other. They care for each other. They stand by as good friends saying, hey, I support you in that. Maybe it's into an area that it's not of interest to them, but they support them. I remember when I said to my wife, hey, I think I'm going to try out jujitsu. It's been now two and a half years ago. And she said, okay, great. There was no thought in my mind that she would be accompanying me to the gym. But she supported me in that. Hopefully, I've done the same for her when she's had an interest. But I certainly have had my share of interests and growth points. The care is also in difficult times. When I was sick, it's been a number of years now, I remember how concerned my wife was for my well-being. Her care, actually, in the beginning was beyond mine. She kept saying, you need to go to the doctor. I didn't want to notice that anything was going on, so I kept putting it off, but she kept caring. She kept suggesting that I take care of that. And she did that throughout my illness, of caring for how I was doing, of caring to make sure that I didn't have too much on me so I could continue recovering. That's care. And it's a hallmark of happy, healthy relationships. In disconnected, unhappy relationships, couples often stop caring for each other. In fact, start being hostile to any areas they see of growth in the other person. Any place where somebody tries something new is discounted or suggested that maybe it's too expensive or maybe it's too time-consuming or maybe it's worthless. Suggested it's silly. Suggested it doesn't make sense. And when they're sick, there's disregard. When they're not feeling well, there's disregard, and that's the opposite of care. So happy marriages function in the world of care. The last place that I want to highlight, number four, 
is that in happy, healthy relationships, there is communication. Not only communication, but positive communication. Sometimes the only communication that's happening in hurting relationships is angry, hostile communication. But in happy relationships, the communication is clear. It doesn't start in blame. It starts with the presence of somebody, of where you are in a certain situation. Communication is clean. It's something to be worked through. It's a way of expressing where you are, not attacking or defending. In hurting relationships, sometimes there's no communication. Many times there is only hurting communication. You may not be aware of the statistics. It's been a while since I've seen it, but the statistic was that couples spend on average less than seven minutes per day talking about something that is not about the kids, the household, or the job. In other words, things within themselves, things about their own worlds, their thoughts, their beliefs, their hopes, their dreams, what's going on in their day. Seven minutes or less. That's the average. That means that there are plenty of places where there's more of that, but for everyone there's more, there's another one that's far less. And I think if we cut across the board, we can see that those who spend more time in communication with each other do better when that communication is about support. It's about love and care. It's about connection. It's about the commitment between each other. Those are the highlights of the differences between happy and hurting marriages. And here's what you need to understand about that. I just named out four different skills that can be developed and enlarged, that can be used to turn around a situation. So one of the things I was doing in the very beginning of my career was trying to figure out what's the difference? Why do some couples get happy and how can they be happy and healthier? How do they have a thriving relationship? And what I realized is that the same things that did that are what would turn around a relationship that's in trouble. Those are the ingredients that you need to work on if you want to restore a hurting relationship to get it to a better place, which is why I took those pieces and put them in the Save the Marriage system. It's based on commitment. It's based on connection. Communication is often an aftergrowth of those pieces, but I work in a place of care, of recognizing what's important in a relationship. Those are four skills that you control from your side. You don't control whether it happens with both people, but you can start the process on your own. I created the Save the Marriage system so both people can use it or one person, the Lone Ranger, can use it to come in and start working on the relationship, waiting for the time when the spouse wants to step back into it. That's the bridge point. That's the next inflection point. If you've been in a hurting relationship and you want to hit the inflection point to get to a happy relationship, you focus on those four targets, commitment, connection, care, and communication. And if you don't know how to do that, give my system a try. You can find it at savethemarriage.com. That's savethemarriage.com. If you go ahead and grab it, there are a couple of things I want to add to it just so we make sure that you have the running start to get into that happy, healthy relationship. First of all, I want you to meet with one of my coaches. Have a team of coaches and they'll work with you. And we give you a complimentary get started, best start session just to get you going. That's no charge, no obligation to you. It's just we want to make sure that you have your feet underneath you and moving forward to break the cycle that you've been in. 
you get that, uh, and you also get an offer that you can turn down. It's up to you. But the other offer is a week of my VIP coaching program, a VIP virtual coaching program that has lots of tools, lots of training, lots of things that take you to the next level. It's kind of like going from the white belt curriculum to the blue belt curriculum when you are in jujitsu or when I'm in jujitsu. It's to, to take you to the next level when you figure out how to really get that moving. The free week, it's just, it's a free week. You just have to say yes. You do have to sign up for it. I don't force anything on anyone, but my suggestion, grab the free week. See how that works for you. There's lots more in there for you. The big thing is to get started. And the starting point, savethemarriage.com. That's savethemarriage.com. This is Lee Balkum rooting for you as you make the shift for a happier, healthier relationship. You've been listening to Save the Marriage Podcast. For more information and help, please visit us at savethemarriage.com. Thank you.